Praise the Lord. Thank you, brother. Thank you for those songs. I sure like that selection of songs about the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Please turn in your Bibles with me this morning uh, to the um, book of 3 John. If you're not familiar with your Bible, you'll find those little books at the end of your Bible. They're close to the book of Revelation. Toward the end of it, you'll find 1 John, 2 John, and then 3 John. John wrote quite a few books for us in the Word of God. This is not John the Baptist. This is John called John the Beloved, one of the apostles. And he wrote the Gospel of John and these three epistles and the book of Revelation. And I want you to look with me in 3 John. I want to read a few verses and then preach to you from my heart this morning on these thoughts. In the book of 3 John. The Bible says in verse 1, The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, give it even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well, because that for his name's sake they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers uh, to the truth. And it's verse number 8 that I want to focus on this morning, but I also want to build my message around these verses that we just read. For our visitors, I pray that you'd bear with me this morning. I want to speak uh, to my church family this morning because this is a very important time of the year for us as a local assembly. Uh, we, uh, we're, we're, we're a different group of people than probably... Uh, most people are used to being around. We are, and I say that in the right way. I'm not saying that we're strange. I'm not saying that we're weird. Uh, at least most of us aren't. The Bible does say we're supposed to be peculiar people. Amen. We, we have some of those. We do. Um, what we want to be in verse number 8, that will be the theme of our missions conference this year is about being fellow helpers uh, to the truth. Fellow helpers to the truth. We want to be a part of uh, the ministry of God, of getting the truth around the world. And I love this verse. And, and what I like about this verse in verse number 8, Brother Lauren, is this. He said, he says, we therefore ought to. Then later on in the verse, he says that we might be. He's saying, here's what you ought to do that you might be. That we ought to do some things that we might be. I've got to, um, I've got to, I don't want to use the word brag on you. I want to thank you. That'd be the best word I can use is thank you. For what you have done the past 12 months. Now you know as a church we are entering into waters that we have never sailed before. As far as here we are, we are heavy givers to missionaries. You support over a hundred and almost a hundred and fifty Ministries around the world, 150 missionaries you support. That doesn't even count the special offerings that you give to meet special needs uh, to missionaries that we don't necessarily support on a monthly basis. But we hear, we read, and we give according to the need. And this year, now that we're considering because of the necessity of and and the and the issues we've had with this building, uh, we'll be. Saving and giving and sacrificing, and hopefully by this time next year, uh, we will be in a new new sanctuary. 
So there's a lot going on around here. So we're sailing into waters we've not sailed before. How that we stay focused and how that we remain fellow helpers to the truth and that we continue uh, to, to be committed to this. But I want to commend you. Now we have done something we've never done before this past year. And I think it's, honestly, if you were to look around the United States and find a group of people this size, you will not find very many congregations that have accomplished what you have accomplished by the grace of God this year. So we give God the glory. If you have, if you have a church bulletin, if you don't have one, you should pick one up and take it home with you. But you'll notice under your mission giving update, and we still have next week to go, but this past year you gave over a half a million dollars to missions. Did you hear what I just said? Over $500,000 you gave. Now for our visitors, understand what we do here. Every Sunday morning and Sunday night, our people, and we don't even, did you notice we didn't pass the plates today? Uh, we, we hadn't passed the plates in a couple of years. He said, well, why don't you do that? Well, because the offerings have gone up since we quit passing the plates. Why would I go back to that? Amen. Our people come up here on purpose, willfully, cheerfully, proportionately. And when they, when they work hard and they get paid, uh, they look at their, their, their monies and they say, you know what, I'm going to give the Lord the first fruits of my increase. They give their tithe. And then they say, you know what, I want to be a fellow helper to the truth. I want to support missionaries. And they give above their tithes to missions. And that what you see there when it says $504,531.86, that is above what we use to operate here. And this is what we send around the world into other ministries. We invest it into other people and the ministry. And I just have to salute you and thank God for you and your faithfulness and for your faith in this area. I cannot tell you how much I am amazed at what you do. And because now we're, we, you know, we're saying it here in a few minutes, but we're talking about 12 months of going through up and down of the seasons of life and the challenges of business and income and all the things that go with. Uh, surely some of you had some unexpected bills this year. I know we certainly did. And so, and yet we did not dip our colors. We still stayed with it and trusted God and God was always faithful Amen. and he will be. Now, I want you to look in the context of this here. We're going to come back to that later, this thought, but about being fellow helpers to the truth. Now, this message is not about money. This, this, has got, this message is not about money. Money is the fruit of what's going on in your heart. Did you know that? Wherever you're spending your money on reveals what you love the most and what you care about the most. And I don't want to ever go to church and feel like a preacher is always trying to pull something out of my pocket. And I'm not one of those kind of preachers you can ask our church families out. I'm not that kind of guy. I'll tell you straight up, you don't want to give, don't give. You can't give willfully, cheerfully, purposely. Just let it, put it back in your pocket. Let it burn a hole in your pocket. Amen. Put your money down a rat hole if you want to. I'm going to invest mine. And I'm going to get eternal rewards. Uh, my, my benefit plan is out of this world. Amen. It's on the other side. Now I want you to look with me in this, in this passage in Third John. And I love this passage. I love this chapter. But I want you to notice John's emphasis and evaluation of the subject and his estimation of the phrase, the truth. The truth. You'll notice how many times he says this. You'll notice in verse 1 at the end of that verse, he said the truth. You notice at the end of verse number 3, he said the truth. 
the end of verse 4, truth. The end of verse 8, the truth. And if you read 2 John, between those two books right there, he mentions the truth 11 times. The truth. His emphasis, his evaluation, and, and his estimation of the truth. Now, when he wrote his three epistles, he made it very clear that the truth is something that uh, must, number one, be declared, but it also has to be defined. When we talk about the truth, that's a pretty narrow subject because everybody's got their opinion about things. And I think it was Pilate, was it not, who said, what is truth? And when he said that, he was actually looking at the truth. And sometimes you can actually hear the truth and actually see the truth and not even recognize the truth. I know that Jesus said this about the truth. He said, it's the truth that will make you free. And He did me. You see, when you talk about the truth, we've got to talk about the truth about things that matter. Amen? Because, I mean, there's truth about everything. I mean, whether it be economics... Electronics, mathematics, history. There's truth about everything. Truth about so many subjects. But what about truth about the things that matter? What about death? What about eternity? What about your soul? What about your life? What is the truth about the very purpose of life? What is the very truth about those things? And boy, those things truly matter. I think you're here this morning because you are concerned about not just this life, but the next. You know, the Gospel of John, Jesus said this about the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And... When we talk about the truth, we're really talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because He is the answer to life. He's the answer to death. He is the answer to eternity. And He is the one who can change your soul and save your soul and cleanse your soul. That's why the book of, the book of John was written. He said, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And that in believing in Him, you might have life through His name. I'm interested in life. I don't want to just live. I'm interested in life. And so when you look at the the Word of God, when we talk about the estimation of truth, one of the things that when John wrote these three epistles, especially in the first epistle that he wrote here in 1 John, This is what he said about Jesus. These things are not up for debate. They're up for declaration. God does not even try to prove to you that he even exists. He simply declares himself to be. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, and in the Gospel of John, and in the book of 1 John... All about Jesus, the Bible calls Him the Word. Calls Him the Word of life. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Amen. And when He comes back on that horse in the book of Revelation... On his robes, he's got written upon him the Word. The Word. John says, not only is he the Word, but he refers to him as the Father's Son. He says, His Son, Jesus. His Son, Jesus. For example, I'll give you a verse. The Bible says that it is the blood of Jesus, His Son, that cleanses us. From all sin. His son. Do you believe this morning? Not just historically. 
biblically with all your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He also refers to Jesus as our advocate. Now that's important when you talk about the truth because so many other religions will try to put another mediator, another advocate, another intercessor between you and God. Now it takes on different names. It might be an angel. It might be someone called Mary as a mediator. And yet the Bible makes it very clear there is only one. The man Christ Jesus. The Bible calls him our advocate, our mediator. And the truth is, there is only one. That means everything else is a lie. If you change the truth just a little bit, it's no longer the truth. Amen. If I had a glass of water, Brother Johnny, and you took one drop of gasoline and put it in that glass, I'm not drinking it. For it is no longer pure water. And when you dilute, dilute the truth, you no longer have the truth that can save a man and give him what he needs. He is the Son of God and He is our advocate. And you're going to need that advocate as a child of God because when you fail, remember Brother Lewis and we were in prison the other night. One of those men asked the question about once saved, always saved and asked what happens if a believer, you know, is professes to be Christ and things of that nature. And I said, listen... We would not need the Lord Jesus Christ as our advocate if we did not fail and if we did not sin against the Lord. One of His roles is to help us along the way. Can God forgive a sinning child? If that sinning child will repent toward God, God will forgive him and cleanse him and restore him back to fellowship. Now, He's not going to save you from the consequences of your choices. But He might have mercy on you if you turn back to Him. So that you don't reap everything that you sowed. He's good like that. He is. And the Bible in the book of 1 John calls Him the propitiation for our sins. That's the payment for our sins. Not a payment, but the payment. He is referred to as the Christ. We were warned in the last days that many would come in the last days and say that I am the Christ. But there's only been one, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Do you believe that? Have you embraced the truth that Jesus is the Son of God? What I love about John, he makes it very clear that the three are one. When he he finished out 1 John chapter number 5, he said the Father and the Word and the Holy Ghost. They're in heaven and they bear witness. And he said, the three are one. That's an amazing truth. And so you have here, John making it very clear, his high estimation of the truth. And when you look in 2 John, you're in 3 John. Look in 2 John just a minute. And he made it very clear that not only must it be embraced and believed, but it has to be defended. And that's why he said in 2 John verse 7, He said, for many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. He said in verse 9, whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. Is there religions out there that refuse to confess that Jesus Christ was God manifested in the flesh? Oh, there's a lot of them out there. Most religions are for you to do something, but the salvation that saves is the fact that God did something through His Son, Jesus Christ. It is important that you understand these things, that we must earnestly contend for the faith. So when you get back down in 3 John, talking about the emphasis and evaluation and estimation of the truth, John believes that you can't, you shouldn't keep this to yourself. He said it must be dispersed. It must be declared. It must be defended. But it also must be dispersed. Verse 6. He says, Which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey. Who was they? Who was that there? That's those men who have taken the truth and have began to travel around the world to declare that truth to unsaved men and unsaved women that they might be saved. They are on a journey. 
Now you and I are not on that journey, but we invest on men and women who are on that journey. That's what, and they are to dispense the truth. We are not going to support someone and give to someone who is not going to hold tight to the truth about the gospel and the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not going to do that. No matter how funny they are or how famous they are or how handsome they are, that doesn't matter to us. You got to, you know, you know, if you're thirsty, I mean, really thirsty, and there's a bucket of water here, and uh, and I can't get to it. It doesn't matter to me how handsome you are, how poor you are, how ugly you are. If you could carry that bucket of water and bring it to me, I'll appreciate you. Amen? And I'll support you for it. And I'm just here to tell you that God is interested in us dispersing the truth. Our method is to help those preachers who go around the world preaching the Word of God. And the Bible says in verse number 7, their motive has to be right. The Bible says, because that for His name's sake they went forth. For the Lord Jesus Christ's sake they were to go forth. So I want you to think about this for a moment. That the church is to be two things, really. It is to be a fort and it is to be a lighthouse. The fort is to defend the truth. The lighthouse is to dispense the truth and declare it around the world. If we have a high estimation of the truth, we'll be interested in somebody else getting that truth. I think that if there were a great plague to go throughout our county, our city, our state, and somehow or another you came across the remedy, I don't think that you would Hold that all to yourself. I think the first thing that you would do is that you would try to reach your kinfolk and say, Hey, there is a cure for this. I've got it. And then you would then find other people and make sure that other people who are suffering, and I'm telling you, we all suffer with the plague of sin. The truth will deliver you from the wages of sin and the wrath of God. That's headed your way if you do not get born again. Do you believe that people must be born again? Yes, sir. If you believe that, then they must hear the truth. And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach except they be sent? You'll notice here that he gives us his estimation of the truth. But look in verse number 5 through 8. You'll notice that he exhorts us concerning the truth. He said, Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and the strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church. Follow me along with this thought if you can. I pray that I can make it clear so you can. East River, our faith in the truth lays the foundation for our fellowship together in the truth, which opens the door for us all to be fellow helpers to the truth. Now let me say that one more time. Our faith together in the truth, meaning there was a place in time where we heard the truth, we responded to the truth. I did not know the truth when I was a young man just getting out of high school, but thank God somebody cared enough to tell me the truth. I felt safe until I heard the truth. And then I realized that I was in great danger. Under the wrath of God, the judgment of God. Just because you feel good doesn't mean you're doing good. I felt good last December and the doctor said, we better do some tests on you. I said, no, I'm good. He said, let's do some tests. I said, no, I'm okay. I feel great. He said, we're going to do some tests. I said, I don't need any tests. He said, let's do at least one. I said, only one. So he does one. He said, let's do another. I said, no, I'm fine. He said, let's do another. I said, no. He said, let's do it. (laughs) And so I felt good, kept doing more tests, more examinations, checking out that heart, and then find seven, seven blockages. Seven. Well, I'm glad he persisted on examining my heart. You know something the Holy Spirit will do? He'll bring you to church, let you hear the truth, and He'll start probing around your heart. He'll start examining you. 
Now don't run from him. You just keep coming. Let him shed a little bit of light on you. And he'll draw you unto God. And he'll give you a new heart. He'll give you a new heart. And I'm saying that, that, that we need to understand that our faith in the truth is what brought us together. And it must be what keeps us together. What has brought us together must keep us together. Did you hear what I just said? There's enough differences of opinions in this church to destroy this church. I noticed something when I fly, and I noticed it again. I paid close attention this time when I was flying. I noticed that everybody, sometimes when I get off an airplane, and I'm not sure where the baggage area is, that where the carousel is, they, sometimes they don't mark them good, and you don't know where your bags are. So you have to look around. And so what I've learned to do is I start looking for some of them weirdos that were on the plane with me. And I follow them. And if I can find some of them people I saw on the plane, I know that they're going to the right carousel to get my baggage. So, but I've noticed that everybody that was on that plane went to the carousel and everybody had baggage. And I'm, I am to believe, Brother, Brother Stewart, that everybody that got saved in this congregation came in to their new life with some baggage. Now, some of that's good baggage, but some of it isn't. And the Lord, listen, and I noticed that some had just a little bit. I had just a little bit. But, man, there were some. Like my wife's got to have four suitcases if she's going to be staying three days. Smile, Sandy. That was a joke. Nope, she not. <laughs> but when people get saved, everybody has a different amount of baggage. You say, well, what do you mean by baggage? Well, some of it has to do with your raising. So you think some of, some, you think some of your raising is the truth. You have to overcome some of your raising. Some of it you think is because of where you went to school. Everything your school, your, your, your school does not have the whole truth. They have some of it. Amen, Brother Roger. Yes, so when you come into church sometimes, you think that, that it's important that everybody think like you think and do what you do. We're not asking people to be Anything but your brother, not your brother-in-law. We're not wanting to get into your business, but we don't want you getting into our, all our business either. Now, here's what I mean by that, Brother Tucker. Let's say if I had a paper bag, and everybody in here represented a steel ball bearing. Okay? Everybody in here represents a steel ball bearing. All right, when you get a, 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 you got a good bag, a good paper bag, okay? You drop a few in there, that paper bag holds it pretty good. So if you get... Four or five people with difference of opinions. Oh, they, they can handle it. Bag can handle it. But how about you put more and you put more and you put more and then you get up to about 100, 150 ball bearings in that bag. All of them bringing their own baggage. All of them got their own difference of opinions about education, entertainment, their own personal standards, their own personal convictions about things. And you put them all in that bag. If it's an outward force that holds them together, Eventually, the more you get in that bag, that bag is going to break. And then those ball bearings are going to hit the floor. They go in different directions. And that's what happens to a lot of churches. Because they lose their focus on what brought them together. So then what happens? Here's the difference. You take a strong magnet. You hold that strong magnet over those steel ball bearings. And there's an invisible force. That pulls those ball bearings together. One comes from over there. One comes from over there. One comes from over there. They all come together because there's an invisible force that's pulling them from the inside. And when you're right with God and your focus is on the gospel and you know what has brought you together, your opinion about facial hair, whether a man should have a beard or not, who cares? Whether or not your wife has a beard or not. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Do, do you understand? We argue and divide. Listen, if, if you don't like each other's certain issues, then don't hang around with each other, but come to church and love each other. And when that brother and sister falls or fails or has a need, 
you exercise some of that godly love that you can love on somebody that's not just like you. Amen. What brings you together holds you together. What has brought us together? Truth. Truth. What brought you to East River? Truth. Truth. It's got to be more than the children's department. It's got to be more than certain issues that maybe we take a stand against. It's got to be the gospel. It's got to be the gospel. And the Bible and the things about the Lord Jesus Christ, the things that matter. And so he is telling us that our fellowship, our fellowship is important here. If we're going to be able to be fellow helpers, the adversary is always trying to bring division and discord among the body. Always. And so you're not going to always agree with each other on everything. But you need to agree on the things that matter. To me, this Bible matters. Every single word in it matters to me. Don't start correcting this Bible and tell me that you and I are going to be able to walk together because we're not going to be able to. Unless we agree that the Bible is, is the final authority. I mean, and there is actually a book you can put in your hands that you can say is the Word of God. Not some generic book out there that you go into the bookstore and there's 411 flavors. And everybody can pick the book that fits what they like. But you get you a good King James Bible. Bring it to church with you, read it and believe it. We can fellowship together. And we can be fellow helpers together. And so I pray that you understand this. I need to hurry here. Here, we're looking again at this passage about our faith in the truth lays the foundation of our fellowship, which opens the door for all of us to be fellow helpers to the truth. Can you say amen right there? You're not going to agree with everybody. Not everybody's on the same level, maturity-wise and and spiritual development-wise. You've got to have some patience and some long-suffering with some folks as you allow them to grow. All right, let's look at one more thing here. Number one, we looked at his estimation of the truth. And that word truth dominates his books. His exhortation that we... Uh, would uh, fellowship together and be fellow helpers together. But I want you to notice something else about this man as he's writing to the church here. Would you notice with me his expressions of emotion and passion and appreciation? Is it okay to do that? If it's based on the truth, it is. Look at this. Look at verse number 1. He said, The elder unto the well-beloved... Gaius, whom I love in the truth. I love this man. He's naming names. He's not just saying, I love you, church. He's naming names. You say, what if he leaves somebody out? Well, maybe Gaius needed encouragement that day. The next time it might be your name that's mentioned. You understand? In other words, if your name's not mentioned sometimes in church, don't go home and pout and say, well, the preacher must not like me. He didn't mention me today. Sometimes you don't want the preacher to mention your name. It depends on what he's talking about. Amen? The expressions of emotion. But you'll notice something else here. Man, his passion and his appreciation. Look in verse number 2. He said, Beloved, now he's talking to the whole church. He said, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. And he is not interested in making them millionaires. But he is wanting them to be successful. So that they might be fellow helpers to the truth. Now look at that. He said, I wish. And that wish is not like I wish upon a star. He's referring to his prayer life, his thoughts, his meditations. And his desires and his requests unto God. And then you'll notice in verse 3. 
He said, for I rejoice. Now, he didn't just rejoice. He rejoiced greatly. And look in verse 4. He says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. So, man, I mean, he is expressing himself to this group of people. And he mentions another guy down here in verse number 12. He said, Demetrius hath good report of all men and of the truth itself. He's mentioning some names. I've noticed when I read the end of Paul's letters, like when you get to the book of Colossians, he mentions names. When you read the book of 1 Corinthians, he mentions some names. When you read especially the book of Romans, in chapter 16, boy, he's got a big list. And he knew thousands of people in multitudes of cities. But there were some who just stood out. And he said, I just need you to know something. And we've been reading about it for centuries, these people's names. You know who these people were? These were people who what David referred to as helpers of the war. They were part of the solution. They were not part of the problem. They were helpers, not hinderers to the truth. What about you? How would you fit in that category? Do you do anything to help the truth spread? Do you say anything? Do you take a stand for it when it's come up in a family conversation? Do you spend any money on the truth? Are you a fellow helper to the truth? Ask yourself, am I a fellow helper to the truth? And when you look at the bulletin and you see how much the church has done this year, can you look at it all and say, well, I helped. I helped. Listen, God looks at it in percentages and proportionately. Some can give more than others. But God wants everyone to be a helper. Mom and dad, when you start doing something around the house, outside or inside, and sometimes the kids gather around and say, I just want to help. Well, there's some things they're just not ready to do, right? I mean, you don't, you, don't, you don't let him drive the forklift yet, do you, Brother Lauren? No, I didn't think so. I didn't think so. But he probably wants to. Right? He probably wants to get in Dad's lap and learn. You probably got some grandchildren who want to get on the tractor and drive it for you. That's the way it is. Kids want to help, but you know... After a while, you keep telling them no and no and no. They get the idea that you don't really want them to help. But God wants every one of His kids to help. And He ain't going to tell you no. He just may tell you, no, not that. Amen? Not that. So you got to be willing to do the part that God would have you to do. Let me mention some names. And I thought about some of you as I was reading through some of these names. And if I overlook some of you... Let me just say, I can't mention everybody's name this morning. We've got to go eat lunch. You agree? I thought about when Paul wrote and said in Romans 16 about being helpers in Christ Jesus. I thought about where he said, uh, he mentioned the lady Phoebe. He said, Phoebe, our sister. He doesn't mention if she's married, divorced, a widow, just a single lady. He doesn't mention that, so we can put anybody in that category of a lady. He said, Phoebe, our sister, indicates that she probably is not married because she's traveling and she's serving the Lord and trying to be a blessing, a servant. The Bible even actually calls her a succorer. Now, that word there... Or a sakura, however you want to mention, we from the north and the south. I'm not sure exactly how it's mentioned or pronounced. But what it does mean is the only other place, Brother John, other than Jesus Christ, that a person is called that. 
Jesus is our succorer. He is the one who runs to our aid. Now, when something is going on around here, your mother is the first one. She's our 911 lady, Miss Dixie. That when something happens and somebody's hurting and somebody needs something, she's a, and when the, when it goes out across the airwaves that, hey, somebody has happened, something happened, she's the first one on the scene. And not only that, but after she's gathered up and got other people on the scene, she follows up and makes sure everything's okay. She's our 911 lady. And by the way, she's not a spring chicken anymore. You're going to have to start training somebody. Amen? She'll admit to you that she's not a spring chicken anymore. Now, I can get away with that. I think. <laughs> it is true. Thank you. You've got to bear witness to the truth. But I want to say this morning that being Christ-like, being a blessing... I want to say this to my wife, Cindy. This is her. For April, my daughter. I, I, you know, they are my family, but they get overlooked sometimes because I'm afraid to say that because you say, well, that's your family. But I need to tell you as a pastor, that woman, Cindy, is a blessing to this assembly, does a lot of work behind the scenes you just don't know anything about. And April, man, what, what a blessing that girl is. She is so unselfish and, and wants to be a blessing. And Crystal spends so much time up here working all these decorations that you see upstairs. She gets the other ladies involved, but she is always the point of the spear to make sure something looks good upstairs and on the bulletin boards. And I want to thank these ladies for their service and Sister Linda and Sister Christy and Sister Michelle and Sister Kenzie and Sister Dixie. Thank you for your labor of love here. To help us here in this assembly. Then there's Priscilla and Aquila. Now there's those faithful couples. When you think of one, you think about the other. I'm blessed to have a lot of faithful couples in this assembly. When I think of one, I think of the other. When I think of Brother Lewis Clark, I think of Sister Rhonda. Like a hand in a glove, always working together in the assembly. When I think about Lorne and Bianca, like a hand in a glove. And Doug and Christy. Talking about faithful couples. And I even thought about Brother Kenny and Sister Abby. Amen. I love them. I thank God for them. We've got some young couples coming up, like we got some just starting out on the runway. Brother Zach and Sister Abby who want to serve the Lord. Brother Jared and Jamie. I mean, I appreciate these young couples, and Brother Dwayne and Michelle are addicted to the ministry. They're not happy unless they're serving and doing something for the Lord. No matter what it is, He wants to put a spiritual emphasis upon it. And I thank God for, for you. I do. Brother Johnny and Kelly, thank you for your faithfulness and your service. I think about um, this guy named, I'm not sure how to say his name, Epinetus, I think is his name. He's called the First Fruits. Of Achaia, and he was rec- he was saying something about this man because it meant he was still there. He was there when Paul got there, and he's still there. I think about some folks that were here when I got here that are still here, that are still fellow helpers to the truth, like Brother Craig and Sister Nancy. You inspire me. You do. That you are still in your place. Been in some hard places, some deep valleys, and you are still in your place being a fellow helper. Man, thank God for you. Mm. Brother Scott and Dixie were here when I got here, and they're still hanging on. They and listen, these folks have seen me grow up. They've prayed for me and helped me to change and mature. Brother Kim and Sharon. They've hung in there and watched me mature. And grow as a pastor. They, they know uh, some, my weaknesses and mistakes that I've made. And they've hung in there. And I appreciate them. And there's Brother Walker. Thank God for him. Brother Mark and Emma. Boy, they have been faithful, haven't they? Mm. Brother Travis and Stephanie. Brother Travis and Stephanie. Now, Brother Travis had 
Modius are coming to East River. It wasn't because I was a good preacher. And he's still here. And I appreciate you too. Thank God for you. I do. Rufus and his mother. That's an adult with their parent. I thought immediately about Sister Linda and Abigail. I appreciate them going through some hard places and still serving to God together, being fellow helpers to the truth here at East River. When you look at our prophet chambers, those you know, those of you who are visitors, we believe in being fellow helpers all the time. We have five prophet chambers. We have five motel rooms that are given throughout the year to minister to missionaries, evangelists, and preachers. And uh, it's first class, very clean, because they make it so. They are the ones that visitors meet when they first get here sometimes. I thank God for their faithfulness in some hard places. I appreciate God sending us some fellow helpers from some other places like Brother Stewart and Sister Lisa and Brother Terry and Sister Debbie. We've invested a lot of money in New Guinea and God sends us a couple from New Guinea. Isn't that a blessing? Praise the Lord. And I appreciate Mike and Debbie Bolton as well. They're such a sweet spirit. And Brother Chris and Leslie, they are, they are uh, God-send. They have some wisdom about them. Brother Caleb and Becky, Brother Caleb, I appreciate you hanging in here with me. I've known him since he was knee-high to a grasshopper. And he is still here with me, and I thank God for that. I appreciate it, brother. Being fellow helpers, Brother Dean and Sister Rebecca, you'll notice after every service, you probably will from this point forward, every service, Brother Dean walks up here and gives me a hug and says, thank you, Brother Roger. Every service. I don't know if you've heard, but his son got engaged this week. And congratulations, by the way. Seriously. And I'm saying that sincerely and seriously before I say something else. I did ask your dad how much he had to pay her to say yes. And he said, had to take out a small loan, Brother Roger. <laughs> Congratulations. Brother, Mike, Brother, Brother Michael has taken a new job and moving out West Texas. And, and now he's got a new job and a new wife. Life has changed drastically for him and hopefully in a great way. Y'all stay close to God. Stay in church. Now think about those of you who helped me get the gospel out. Brother John, you in Virginia, who carried the seed into prison, thank you for your faithfulness. And Brother Brock, Sister Brock, thank you for your faithfulness over the years. I got Brother Brock and Sister Brock here and Brother Oakley and Sister Oakley under this guy called Manasin. The Bible says about Manasin uh, that uh, he was an old disciple. You know what that means? It means he didn't quit. And it means he didn't let life make them bitter. But they were, Manasin was opening up what he had to be used by church folks that were passing through. They were opening their home, their property, their, their belongings, and saying, here, we want to be a blessing. And the only way you can do that is don't, you don't let your Christian walk make you bitter. You let it make you better. So that you can still serve God in your old age. Amen. Brother Lewis Clark gets up every Monday morning and starts a new day of work. He works, gets up early, works all day long. And on Monday evening, when he gets off at 5 or 6 o'clock, he drives over to Dayton and preaches to those prisoners. And he went over there when there wasn't but a handful. He's been going over there for several years, and now they're, they're busting at the seams. Those men love him when he walks in that door. They hug his neck. They share their hearts with him. And he shares his heart with them. He's opened the door for many of us to be able to go over there and preach the gospel. 
Thank you for being a fellow laborer in the things of God. Thank you for being a fellow helper. Brother Tucker, thank you for you and your wife for meeting a need that we have of having somebody to lead us in the direction of of evangelism. I know that I'm not an evangelist. I know my weaknesses. I know that I'm a pastor teacher and that I'm an edifier and I'm a disciple. I know those are my strengths. But it does not eliminate my responsibility to hand out the truth to others. But God has used you. Last time we went out, we had, you said, 38 people that went out. Thank you. We appreciate God sending you our way. And we love you. We love you and your wife. Brother Shane, I appreciate your dad. You know, he's been through some hard places, but he has stayed by the stuff. And I appreciate him in the Lord. And I thank God for him. There's a couple of guys on here I need to make mention to, Trifina and Trifosa. I think those are two male names. I'm not sure, but I think they are. But, it, but I see, and then I see twins. We got some twin brothers here that are serving the Lord. They still talk to each other. They still like each other. They still love each other. But I think it's, that has happened since their mother moved down here to keep them straight. But I want to say to Brother Jason and Brother Justin, we love you and we thank God for you. And your family for being helpers in the ministry. If it's broke, they can fix it most of the time. That's a fact. And they'll jump on it. They'll spend hours working and then hours helping. I thank God for you. And then there's, this guy's name I think is Tertius. This is our Brent. This is the guy who in the book of Romans, when he got through writing that book, you know, Paul is giving credit for the author of that book, but it says, I, Tertius, wrote this epistle. And so he was taking it down, writing it, which was not an easy task in that day. Writing it down carefully and then being able to duplicate that to be able to get it out where other people could read it. And what he has done, he has taken the services and he has duplicated it. And everywhere I go to preach, somebody will say, even in prison, they'll say, hey, we listen to your services. And I went to Alabama and they say, we watch some of your services. And I go somewhere else. We, I said, well, I, I, you've heard everything I got to preach then. They don't need me being here. But not just me, but you other men. But you have taken, he's taken it. And he has duplicated it. And he has spread it around the world. I told you last week, we passed in subscribers just on YouTube. 5,000 subscribers on YouTube. That's all because of him. Him and Brother Mark Keller got that thing started and Brother... Brother Johnny got in on some of that, and I want to thank you guys. I've told these guys, my philosophy is this, is that, you know, used to, you used to be able to go down to the street corner and to be able to preach on the street corner because people would gather and pass by on foot. You go down on the street corner of New Caney and try preaching and see what happens, you're going to get ran over. Now, you might can sell some flowers, but nobody's going to hear what you're saying. So where are people gathering today? Where are you going to reach the multitude? You're going to reach them online. And that's what he's doing. We're getting letters from all over the country because of his ministry. And I thank God for that. So I'm not trying to stroke your ego this morning. I'm trying to be like John and express to you my emotions, my passion, and my appreciation that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. Brother Brad, I appreciate you and your dear wife. I believe God sent you here for a reason. Brother David and Angela, God's got a place for you to serve here and to help us to be fellow helpers to the truth. I ask you to hang in there and God will show it to you. You just serve Him and He'll make it clear what He wants you to do. If you're not sure what your gift is, you just get in there and serve. And it'll come to the surface. It'll come... To the service, if you'll serve the Lord with all of your heart. And so I want to say to you this morning, I salute you. I commend you. This year is going to be a challenging year for us. And I've asked you in your missions, if you'll just stand still, stay committed. I've asked you something that no pastor's ever asked his congregation. Every year you've always been asked to give more and to give more and to give more and you've given more. 
Because God's blessed you. And that's why he said here, I pray for this for you, Brother Lauren, and your business. I pray for this for your business. I pray for this for your work. That, that he says that thou mayest prosper. That means make an advancement. Not be set back, but make an advancement. And that you would be able to keep your health. Because if you don't keep your health, you won't be able to do your job. And he says, even as thy soul prosper. So he wasn't asking that they would advance materially faster than their spiritual life. He wanted it to be balanced. Because material ahead of your spiritual can harm you. And the reason why God may not have given you more yet is because you're not ready to handle it yet. So as your soul prospers, God may then also prosper your hand so He can trust you with it. I don't want to give my children anything that will take them away. You understand? And God's the same way. And so I want to encourage you and thank God for you for your faithfulness. But this year, unless the Holy Ghost tells you different, would you just stand still, stay where you are, stay committed? I'm going to ask you not to increase, but to stand still. Stay committed where you are. We have more than enough to take care of our missionaries for another year, Lord willing. I'm not being presumptuous. We have more than enough to take care of our missionaries and extra offerings. If you give what you gave this year, if you stay committed, if you stay where you are, we're okay. And then whatever God prospers you with and helps you with down the road and you want to put it toward getting this sanctuary in its place by this time next year, then when it comes to missions conference next year, we'll reevaluate everything. But let's take care of the house so we can do more later. Do you agree? But let's never, ever stop being fellow helpers to the truth. We're not a storehouse. We're not East Pond Baptist Church. We're East River. I hope I've made myself clear. And I pray that God would help us to have a very high estimation of the truth. So much in that we invest our time and our energy and our monies into it. And that we'll even take a stand if we have to among our own kinfolks for the truth. And that we would take the time to give somebody a track or, or maybe share the gospel with them. Or that when these men come in that we would be able to put some money in their pocket to help buy the gas to get them down the road to get them across the seas to tell others the truth that they might be saved. One day it's all over with. We'll be at the judgment seat. Well, there's a lot of stuff going on around the world right now that points toward the coming of Christ. There is a war in Israel. And Jesus said there'll be wars and rumors of wars around the city of Jerusalem. He said you need to start looking up because your redemption draweth nigh. Just like a woman in her pregnancy, she may have some tremors at seven months, But boy, when you get to that nine months and it starts getting closer and closer, you're feeling more pains. And we're getting closer and closer and closer. This world is not very far away from just being in great chaos. Needing somebody to step up and be a great leader for us, and that will be the Antichrist. But I'm hoping and praying that I, being part of the church of God, that I will be taken out in the rapture to meet the Lord and to meet my loved ones, but most of all, to meet Christ. But when I stand before Him, I pray that He'll be able to look down upon our church and say, you know what? I gave you a little, and you were faithful with a little. And when I gave you more, you were faithful with more. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You invested in what I care about, and that was the souls of men. Let's stand together, please. Father, in Jesus' name, would you encourage these dear saints? Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you so much for these families. I think about Brother Gary and Sister Carrie and what a comfort and blessing they are to so many of us. And I thank you, Lord, for Matthew. God wanting to come back here and serve the Lord and do right. Lord, we're just blessed. 
with good men and godly women that love you. Some of these dear widows, I pray, Lord, that we would be like the locust. That we would strive to work together in unity and harmony and charity. And that when we stand before the judgment seat, that you would be pleased. And this year we'd continue to be fellow helpers to the truth. Trusting God that you will meet our own personal needs here. And that God that you'd rebuke the devourer. And that you'd protect us. Our families, their unity, their work, their health. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. God bless you.